1: So now we're going to move into our daily mailbag section. We've got some really good questions. I've kind of been starring a lot of them as we have gone. I wanted to yeah. hear first, Brian, because it goes with what we were talking about in the quarterback section. We were talking about Ian Book and how he was afraid, or I shouldn't say afraid. he Unwilling. Unwilling. He didn't make those throw the guy open throws, right? And Ryan Anderson had Great a question. question. He says, how much of that was Ian Book and how much of that was coaching though?
2: I think a lot of it was on Ian Book. I think the coaching exasperated that, to be honest with you. But I mean, if you you read reports and I talked to people that followed what he did with the Saints and they were having similar complaints about him in New Orleans.
1: Right. Exactly. He just doesn't that, process information well. That was going to be my yeah, exact. Point. Yeah. Nothing changed. Right. You know, nothing changed. And, and you know, uh, kind of as an example, right? Chase Claypool goes to the Steelers. He goes to rookie mini camp and he's like, wow. I learned all of these new techniques and it made me that much better. And that was a rookie mini camp, right? Ian Book went through a whole season with a completely new coaching staff and one that's really good with quarterbacks, mind you, Sean Payton, et cetera, right? Yeah. And nothing changed. So that tells me that it was
2: more the player than the coach. Right. And, And again, I think some coaching things didn't help him. But look, they were very easy on Ian. I mean that's part of the reason Ian wanted Chip Long gone is because Chip was very hard on him, and Ian didn't like that. Brian Kelly did not was not as in his face as much as maybe he was Tommy Reese and things like that, right? And and now Ian would kind of get on him because there was a trust there, but you know they they weren't killing Ian, and and he knew he had the starting job. There was no pressure of him losing the starting job once Brandon left, right? And, And so I think you know I think that was there too, but I think a lot of just it's just Ian, and again it's not a negative towards the kid. Just some people have it and some people don't. And I just don't think he had it. I don't think he had that feel for the game, right? Like, you know, we, we, we can talk about Michael Jordan being the greatest and people talk about how explosive of an athlete he was and all that. But let's be honest. Michael Jordan was not unique athletically. Right. I mean, Dominique was every bit as athletic as Michael Jordan was. And and, and there's, I mean, Harold Minor, that's probably an even better example. Remember remember baby Jordan? Remember him? Yeah. Uh, he was He was one of the most explosive athletes I've ever seen. But why was he not the player Michael Jordan was? Because Michael Jordan also had skill, but he also he was an, he had an incredibly high basketball IQ. It wasn't just work ethic. And I mean, that's all part of it. You need that. But he had an incredibly high basketball IQ. As much as I despise him in so many different ways, that's also one of the things that makes LeBron James unique is that he is a very intelligent basketball player, even though I think he's a giant D-bag. He's a very intelligent it's basketball. Basketball IQ is off the charts. It's it's really excellent. There's no question about that, right? And all the great ones have that, right? I mean, and, and it's it's it, part of it is like, look, you got to work at it, right? But it isn't. It's just it's kind of God blessed you with it, and that, then you, it's whether or not you want to maximize it or not, right? So that's why the work ethic is like. Oftentimes, you say a guy's really you know naturally gifted. It's almost like you're insulting him, like. He was just gifted. Well, he was gifted it, but the great ones are the ones that then put in the work necessary to maximize that gift. Right. And not all have. And so to me, that's like that's kind of where I come from with events is I think some guys just don't aren't naturally just. The game's just not natural to them. Yeah. And I and I feel like Ian was never even like things like you used to get mad about. Why would you run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage? Once you're outside the pocket, as long as you throw the ball past the line of scrimmage, you throw it away. And he would just not uh, time. Why? Uh, I just don't think in that moment he could process, throw it away, throw it at the feet of my guy. I just don't think he could process that as quickly. And I think that's that hurt him. And, And because it just it never made sense. It'd be like on it'd be one thing on third down, you know, third down and 10 and you lose two yards, whatever. Sure. But it would be like on first down, second down. It just it made no sense. And it's because I just think at the end of the day, Vince, I just don't think he had a great feel for the game. Right. And I don't know. I don't think you could fix that. And that's one of the things I'm a little bit more optimistic about Tommy Reese than maybe others are. I actually think he got a lot out of Ian, to be honest with you. And and maximize what Ian could do. I mean, I would say if the, the fact that they turned Ian Book into a fourth round quarterback actually is one of the bigger successes of Brian Kelly's tenure. And I give a lot of that credit to Tommy Reese. I think they got a lot out of Jack Cohn last year. Jack got better and better and better and better as the year went on. Absolutely. No so yeah. I do I do have some optimism in that regard, and and, and it does revolve around Ian Book because I just – I don't feel like the kid had it, And that's not an insult that he could work as – Ian Book could be the hardest worker in America, and it won't matter. I just don't think he has that feel for the game. Right. And – I, just, I don't I don't think that changes. Right. Right. Just like some people just have a gift for certain, you know, math. Some people can look and just like, I don't know, just I look at it and I can figure it out. Right. And just where other people like, dude, I know all the formulas. I know that I, and I'm a smart person and all these other, I'm a four point in all these other subjects. But like this one subject, Vince, you're a teacher. I know you've seen this before where you got these kids that just crushes every subject. But then there's just that one subject just like they suck at it. You know, <laughs> it's like it's right. You know. Uh, it's same thing for this. It just doesn't matter how hard you work at it. You're, you're going to have a cap on just how, how good you could be in, in that regard.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
1: Got a super chat here from Matt. Thank you very, very much. He says, just contributing to the cause. Hey, you don't need a better reason than that, Matt. Thank you very much. Yes, we definitely appreciate that. There's no doubt about it. Got another super chat here from Patrick Barnes. Thank you very, very much. With Tyler's aggressive running style, how confident are you that he can make it through a season without serious injury? He's had one serious injury, right? Career. I'm confident he can make it. Is it still a question mark? Yes question about it it's absolutely a
2: question
1: but guess what to me that's a question mark for every single player on the roster
2: yeah
1: is a question can you
2: make it through without an injury i actually don't think the serious injury is the thing i'm more concerned about right i actually feel like the serious injury as long as they're past ohio state i feel like drew pine can beat a lot of teams on the schedule right oh absolutely and and, you know, like we forget he, he, when drew was in the game, they outscored Cincinnati From the moment drew pine came into game to the, to the end of the game, they scored more points than Cincinnati did. Right. They were on 17, nothing when he came in the game. Correct. Yep. What was the final score? 24, 13. So, you know, there you go. They outscored Wisconsin. It was 10 to 10. When he came into game, the final score of that game was 41, 13. Now, if you take even the pick sixes away and, The the um, Uh, the kick return away that's twenty one points, right? They still scored ten points in less than a half of basically a quarter of football with him in the game compared to just three for Wisconsin. So you know um, you can win a lot of games with him. the 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 more concern for me, Vince, is the this is the more of the danger for a run through a quarterback. It's the nagging bruises. It's getting your shoulder bumped where you can play but it's sore. Right, exactly. That's when late in the game you don't quite have the your arm drags a little bit, and maybe that's when you sail a ball that gets picked off. That's the stuff, the bumps and the bruises of a running quarterback is more of what I'm concerned about than necessarily the the season-ending injury. But the reason I say that is a season-ending injury, he's out, Drew's in, go, go win some games, right? Because right? my opinion, Drew Pine has not changed because he had a bad spring game. Right. It, it hasn't. Right, because I've seen him do it in bigger moments, play much better than that, and and that's what I put more trust in than what he did in a spring game. Sure. So you can win a lot of football games with Tyler Buckner or with Drew Pine at quarterback. Absolutely. So if Tyler's out, I have a lot of faith in Drew Pine to run the offense. Having said that. If Tyler's in the game, but he can play, but he's got that that shoulder bruise from a hit he took earlier, and, and he doesn't get as much on a deep throw, and the ball hangs a little bit, and safety comes over and picks it up, those are things I'm more concerned about because those will have a greater impact on the game. And and so that's kind of why I look at it and say, hey, that's where I'm I, I'm, I'm more concerned about that than you a know, season-ending injury would be bad, yes. right? Because then you're not wow. going to go in the postseason with a title. But if he's got to be out, like let's say he gets hurt uh, in the first quarter against Marshall. I have I have full faith that Tyler Buck that Drew Pine can come in and beat Marshall, beat Cal, beat North Carolina, beat BYU, beat Stanford, beat Syracuse. I'm not worried about him again until until Clemson comes to town. Right, right. I'm not. It's just, it's just. um, Can you 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 beat Ohio State? Can you beat Clemson? That's the bigger question for me. Absolutely. But I think people need to stop. I I get it. It's their. It's what have you done for me lately? Right? Drew Pine went from the hero that everybody wanted to a dud because of a spring game in which he was literally, and somebody just brought it up. He was running from one offense to the other offense. He was run he Whatever happened, he'd have to sprint down to the coach, get the call and then go back out and run on a hot day. Yeah. Right. You know? So I just feel like we're, you know, and look, he had a bad spring. I think a lot of it was, he was, I think once Tyler is as an, announced as a starter, you're going to see Drew sell down, get back to being Drew, right, right? And if his numbers called, I have full confidence that Ty- Drew Pine's going to step into the game and and go b- win a bunch of games for you. Can he beat Ohio State? That's a that's a legitimate question. I don't I don't think he can because of things we talked about. Can he put the team on his shoulders the way that Tyler can? I just don't think he can. But they don't need him to be that guy against everybody other than Clemson ohio state and maybe usc maybe so um, that's kind of my my two cents on that vince we, we have, have a to the top here just oh actually we had one more down here from uh from mark stewart that i didn't yes. want to pull up here
1: yes mark stewart thank you for the super chat do you have any sense of how coach golden's defense will differ from coach freeman's defense in terms of approach and philosophy good question
2: well i that's a great question and honestly that's a question that I asked Coach Freeman, uh, you know, when when we sat down and, and talked, and you know, I think I'm actually going to try to see if I can find that and and see if I can uh, pull that question up because it was it was something that that I was very intrigued by. Uh, is is the notion of like you know you're you're coming in here and um, this is this is the thing this is the this is kind of what he said. My question is basically like. Look, he's going to get to run his defense, but, you know, was there similarities and things like that? Uh, the final part of my question was, I said, um, uh, is there something that you were looking for? Uh, so I want to find someone that has a similar philosophy, which would then make the transition to a third quarter in three years a little bit more smoother for your players. And his answers was, yes, I would agree with that. Uh, this is Coach Freeman uh, talking to me when we had our one-on-one. He says the, the philosophy being the things we believe it takes to have success with defense. It's not the scheme. It's not hey, you better run this coverage and these pressures. It's the ability to to one can our guys play fast so there's no there's no uh, not not so much on their brain that they can't play fast. Two, it still comes down to fundamentals: block destruction, tackling, pursuit to the football, and then takeaways those things he agreed with and I was glad he didn't come in here and say hey here's the five coverages you have to run and here's the five pressures you have to run and we're going to uh, to be good on defense it was the little things we started talking about that and I simply said he he has the same philosophy as me in terms of how to be successful on defense I have never said this certain scheme as you saw last year and he kind of gets to some of that stuff so like he's and then he ends it with so I know Al golden has those same philosophies. And he and that was right for he said you adjust your scheme in, around your players, put them in position to play fast. So part of the reason he brought in Al Golden is for exactly this, Mark, because he sat down with Al Golden and it was like, hey, um, you know, what do you believe in defensively? And, and that was a big part of it, you know, is is hey, are you do you believe in the, the things that I believe in the game that, that I believe? So that's that's the answer yeah. to that question. Our philosophy, philosophy is the big
1: thing. X's and O's are one thing. Philosophy is another, and that right. goes. I mean, that's a that's not even sports specific. I would say, you know what I mean. Right. If you have a similar philosophy and you can have sports specific, then yeah, I think. I think that's the key, and that's yeah. what he was looking for. He doesn't need right. he doesn't need a mini robot version of himself. You know what I mean? That's not what he was looking for, and he didn't get that. He got somebody that shares in his fundamental philosophy and I think that's the most important part. Right.
2: Brandon K is next Vince with a
1: question. Brandon says, what do you think is the most important thing to look at when projecting the success of a quarterback in their first season as a starter? There's a lot going on
2: there. Uh, for me it's it's a it's is how much of the offense can he run? I think that's the big thing for me. When you look at like Bryce Young, you look at CJ Stroud. They did not have to, you know, rookie the offense up. Right. Like now, were they doing as much as Alabama last year as they did with Mac Jones the year before? No. But they also they also didn't have uh, to put in uh, a situation where you had to, like, make it like this rookie level offense or you had to dumb down to cause. I mean, he could uh, Bryce even even though he wasn't where Mac Jones was when Mac was a senior, right. he was still really advanced and could could run the whole thing. Same with C.J. Stroud. I think those things is like, can they can they run their offense? Can he right. grasp as a, a, a bigger chunk of the offense than maybe what you might expect from a first-year starter? I think that's really it because the more simplified you are, the easier it is to def- be defended in the bigger games. And because sure. they are, do play some really good teams, I think that would be the thing for me. And then consistency. Yeah. I think when you're talking about a, fr- a, a rookie quarterback having success, first-year starter having success, it's can you, can you repeat – things. Can you repeat your mechanics over and over? Right. Can you bring, right. Can you bring the same emotion on a daily basis, you know, or are you up and down, you know, and ideally it's, it's right here. It's not up and down. It's just, you know, it's, it's level. Uh, can you bring focus every day? Can you be focused on the task at hand every day? A lot of young kids struggle with that. They're more easily distracted by the other things going on in life. Because they are they haven't been through it for three or four years. Sure. Like the, the the consistency of those things is just as important to me as your consistency going through your reads in practice, because it all it all leads to that. If you're going into practice and you're still thinking about the biology exam you bombed that morning, then you know you're gonna have a rougher day. And then that rougher day leads to not a good week of prep, and then that bad right. week of prep leads to you not playing well on Saturday. Right. Right. And so that that is something that younger Players can be more prone to having issues with, but that's just that consistency of mindset, consistency of fundamentals, and consistency of execution. At the end of the day, that's going to be the key for a first-year quarterback. The the greater he can be that Vince, then, then the greater he's going to be as a player.
1: Yeah, I I will. I agree with everything that you just said, but I will also say, if we're talking about the success of a quarterback, I'm also looking at what's around him. What are the pieces Mm -hmm. around him that are going to allow him to be successful? Right, Mm -hmm. that's part of it. You know, I'm one of the things I'm really excited about Tyler Buckner is because if he can distribute the ball the way we think he can, to go along with his dual threat ability, Mm -hmm. he's got dudes around him, man. He's got some potential dudes that can make plays, and so that's exciting for me as well.
2: And that leads to the second question that Brandon had Brandon had, Vince. I actually think that's a great say. hey, look at you. Look at you segueing your way into some great answers. learning from the best. What other one player on offense is the most important
1: to Buckner's success? I wish he would have said position group, but one player. I think
2: this makes it actually harder, which makes it more intriguing. Right. So
1: There's a line for me. While you're it.
2: thinking, since you right. gotta think about this one, for me the answer is easy and it's Lorenzo Styles. Okay. And the reason I say that is, is because obviously it's not Michael Mayer because you already know Michael Mayer's a dude, right? The key for Notre Dame this season is can some, at least at least one other player step up and say, "I got you." Mm-hmm. And to me, the reason I say Lorenzo Styles is because Lorenzo and Tyler have been were roommates last year. Okay, there's a natural relationship there. All you right. don't always want Tyler in a situation where, when the game's on the line, he's immediately looking to Michael Mayer because you know who else is going to know that. The eleven dudes on the other side of the ball and the defensive coordinator, yeah, right. right. Is can he have the same faith that on third and five or when he's scrambling or when it's a big moment that you know if Michael Mayer's getting covered and or or even if he's not the progression's taking me here? Does is he going to have the same faith in Lorenzo and then is Lorenzo because it's about a success? Can Lorenzo then step up and get open and make those plays? Okay, to I me like that's that. why it, you could go with you know. Blake Fisher, Joe Walt, you go with the running back, all that. But to me, that's why I go with Lorenzo style. Well,
1: I And I'm going to go with the running back. I'm going to go with Chris Tyree on this one because, it, you know, and we talked about the dual threat, and and both running and throwing are very important for Tyler Buckner, okay? But I will say that I want the running back to be a legitimate threat when you're running zone, when, you know, when you're running zone read. If the running back's not a legit threat, if he's just going to go down the second he's touched – you don't have to focus on him as much, right? You're going to overplay the quarterback side of things because that's who you're worried about. I, I feel like the running game, the running back needs to be a legit threat. So as much as I like yours and I may have gone that direction, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say Chris Tyree because I want that running game to be dynamic. I want that to be dynamic. And in order that for that to happen, both of those guys have to be dynamic. So I'll say yeah. Chris Tyree.
2: I have a question for you, Vince. It's kind of a right. follow-up. So, my follow up to that is who is going to have a greater impact on whose season? Will Chris Tyree have a greater impact on Tyler Buckner's success? Okay. Like you said, so I'm, I'm accepting your premise. Yep. Or will Tyler Buckner have an even greater impact on Chris Tyree's success?
1: That one. They, I think Buckner is going to have a bigger impact on Tyree's success because I do think that teams are going to overplay Tyler Buckner. And I think All that's right. going to open up some massive holes for Chris Tyree. Who is just going to show people why? So, he's the so kid
2: basically, game. a situation where on a play where Tyree may run for fifteen because of the line, he's now running for seventy because the safety's worried about Tyler Buckner.
1: Bingo, okay. nailed it. Okay. That's absolutely what I think. Yep.
2: Okay. Got a couple quick super chats here from ICURN with Irish Luck. First of all, he's uh, with the super ch- two super chats. Oh, Thanks for yeah. the for the in content. On a plane to Cancun for my fiance's birthday. So, uh, I. Ha- happy birthday to her very yeah, much. And, and to you. <laughs> Yeah. And thank her for letting uh, you be on the show with us today. Yeah. We appreciate okay. that very much. And then he well, had I- another super chat I- with a question, Vince.
1: Yes. See, uh, ICURN says, Do you think Kane would be a tremble type of blocker?
2: I do. I think he can. He I has do. the ability yes. to be. I don't
1: know if they're going to ask him to be. I don't, that, I think that still remains to be seen. But yes, I think he can.
2: Similar do. body type. Yeah. Very athletic. Uh, more you know, fast, he's fast kid, right? And stronger than you'd think. And that was the thing about Tommy Tremble people were shocked at how physically strong he was as a blocker, even though he was like 6'3, 240. Right? Kane is very similar size, maybe a half an inch taller or so, but he is a similar, similar weight 235, 240, similar athleticism, but very strong. So, I do think that the, the one person that could fill that role could be Kane Barong. I'm sure. just yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to throw that role on him as a redshirt freshman. Cause Tommy didn't get to that point until he was a junior. You know, he, he wasn't that guy as a, as a freshman, he already played as a freshman and he wasn't even really that guy a ton as a sophomore in 19. He played a little as a sophomore in 19, but you know, Cole Komet was that guy. His role got much bigger as a, as a junior. Yeah. And that's when he really took off. So he could. Yes, he could. I'm not predicting it because I need to see that he's healthy first. But right. If Camberong's healthy, would I be shocked if he takes on a similar type of role? No, I just would hope that they would use him more in the pass game than they use Tommy Trumbull. That's my big thing. Now, I've been told that he's got better hands than Tommy Trumbull. That was one of the concerns the coach had is like Tommy would make great catches and then he would just drop one. I still would have used him more. I think you had to have him more of a threat in the pass game, but in practice, he would, he would drop some balls. And I think that was kind of uh, key to some people
1: brandon k says if quarterback at notre dame is one of the most high profile positions in sports why does it feel like national media doesn't talk about it much is that because of recent performance ND bias, or something else all of the
2: above i think it's more of the first one uh, i do and, and and what i mean by that is the quarterbacks just haven't played well right when was the last time notre dame had a big time quarterback Brady Quinn
1: and he was all over everything.
2: Well, I would argue Jimmy Clausen. Okay. And he was talked about a lot a ton too. I mean, Jimmy Clausen was a very hot topic nationally. Uh, but yes, I mean, the last time they had a guy that was that on a good team, it was Brady Quinn in 05 and 06. You're right. absolutely correct. You know, because it, you know like in 2012 Everett was a redshirt freshman and as Brian Kelly would always say, he was, you know, he was in the passenger seat on the bus. He wasn't driving the bus. Right? You know, Malik gets hurt. Deshaun comes in. Deshaun was an interesting storyline that year.
1: If he didn't get hurt, I think. Malik could
2: have been. Yeah, I agree. Because when he, because I, here's what I'll say. And then somebody else had a a comment on this. I want to bring it up. I was going to bring it up later. Good timing. Sean Kane said this. If Malik doesn't get hurt, Indy goes undefeated, unbeaten in 2015 regular season. And and I actually agree with that. I think they would have beat Clemson. And he goes in and out duels Deshaun Watson in, in at Clemson. I think that's when the Malik's legend would have been born yes. as a player. Yes, I agree with you completely. And, and that's one of the things that okay, if we're, we're Ian Book, I, I I hate that this is turned
1: into a little bit of an Ian Book bash. That's not my intention in any way. But he didn't have that signature win against no. another signature quarterback no. or against another signature team.
2: Yeah, he beat Clemson, but Trevor Lawrence was on the sideline. And and I think. Analysts were smart enough to like, you know, Brian Kelly in the Notre Dame, some in the Notre Dame media would hype up Ian Book. Sure. Oh, yeah. The reason I don't think Ian Book got the national love is because people could watch the games and be like, this guy's not that good. Right. They're winning games in spite of him. Or, you know, he's kind of having a similar Everett Golson role where you're riding along the side of the bus. You're not driving the bus. Right. No matter how much Brian Kelly tried to convince us all that Ian Book was driving the bus, he wasn't.
1: No, he was not.
2: Uh, it was it the was defense or defense. 2020 the offensive line. And it was guys like – it was Claypool. It, you know, it was guys like that. Right. It wasn't him. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just a reality. So I think right. national media – I mean, like the year that Ian Book was like finished ninth in Heisman voting and Notre Dame – Tried to actually make a Heisman push for him that year. Come on, guys. He threw 15 touchdown passes in 12 games. Right. Exactly. Come on. I mean, you know, so it's just kind of like, I mean, like, what are we doing here? Right. I mean, he had 15, he had 15 touchdown passes, nine rushing touchdowns. And say, well, it's a short season. They played 12 games. Right. No never played more than 13 games. You know, I mean, 24 touchdowns. That's like, that's like what Deshaun Kaiser just did passing in 2015 and 16. And, and so, you know, when, when you look at those things, Vince, it's, it's kind of like, like, yeah, like Deshaun, shot, Kaiser in 2016, it played only 12 games. He had 26 passing touchdowns and eight rushing touchdowns. That's 10 more than Ian book had. Yeah. You know, in 2015, as a, as a, as a redshirt freshman coming off the bench, he played 13 games, but he only started 11. He can't even played a half against Virginia and he combined for 31 touchdowns. That's seven more than Ian Book in fewer games played than Ian. But the point is, is to your question, is the fact that he finished in the top ten in Heisman voting shows exactly why he is at the most high-profile position in sports. Right. Because of that. And it, and it's because of the fact that he was the quarterback in Notre Dame. If, if Notre Dame was Boston College and had the same season in 2012 that they did, or 2020 that they did, there is no way in heck that whoever their starting quarterback would have been, unless he put up it, it, who put and put up the same numbers that Ian Book had, would have been uh, in the top ten in Heisman voting. No chance. No chance. No chance. I mean, it just yeah, n- no chance. So that's that's my thoughts on that. But I, I think it, it is most it is high profile but I think the reason it doesn't get the love as others is because of the fact that they just haven't had a great one in a long time. Yeah. A very, very long time.
1: Absolutely. And again, they had to be individually great. The team has to be really good, The but the kid has to be great too. And he's got to have, look, this day and age with media, and I, and I shouldn't even say this day and age since, you know, TV and all games became televised and all of those things, you need those signature moments, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that hasn't happened for a Notre Dame quarterback
2: in a long time. I yeah, I, you need those signature moments. Yeah. That gets you hype. Yeah. The, this is an interesting question, Vince. I, I, this is good one from, from Sean. Yeah. He says, when was the last time a Notre Dame quarterback made his starting debut
1: with an opponent as difficult as Ohio state on the road? I remember Meyer debuted against Michigan, but it was at home. This is a, this is a Lou question. <laughs>
2: like, yeah. You yeah. Need, man. <laughs> yeah you know to me i mean you because like you go back and like ian books first start was against a three and nine north carolina team you know jack cone's first start at notre dame was against florida state who didn't make a bowl game uh, brandon Wimbush's first start was against temple now his second game was against a really good team in georgia but it was his first he's the question is about you know their debut with, with an opponent ball, right right huh
1: The Wimbush Georgia game was at home. Correct. Yeah. So, correct. And on the road, too.
2: Well, it's as difficult as Ohio State on the road. It doesn't have to be on the road, but as difficult. I mean, if you're playing Alabama at home, with all due respect to Ohio State, that's as difficult as Ohio State on the road. Uh, You know, I think you you obviously, you kind of, I'm trying to think going back. So, you you know, Ian's North Carolina, Brandon's first game was Temple, Deshaun Kaiser's first start was what, Georgia Tech, UMass, something like that. Georgia Tech or UMass. I forget which one it was. you know, you go back to Malik's first career start was against LSU in a bowl game, but that wasn't a great. L- I mean, it was a big moment, but it was like the yeah. Music City Bowl. It wasn't like, you know, and LSU was okay, but they weren't that good that year. Everett's first start was against Navy. Uh, Dane Chris first start uh, in 2010. I guess that was that was against. Um, then they started against Purdue that year. His first start was against Purdue. Well, actually, his first start was against Purdue in 2009. Remember, Jimmy got hurt. Jimmy had to come off the bench and rally him. So either way, his first start was against Purdue. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm trying to remember. I don't – Jimmy's first start was against Georgia Tech. No. Yeah, uh, no. Jimmy – what was Jimmy's first start in 07? Um, Michigan. No, Penn State on the road. Penn State was good, but they weren't as good as Ohio State is. That that Penn State team was ranked 14th when they played. They finished that year 9-4. and four. It's not in the same universe as, as – as now the environment I mean 110,000 people sure. Jimmy's first start was in front of 110,000 people uh his second start was against 111,000 people against a, a pretty good Michigan team um but that again again that wasn't his debut Brady's first start was not against that kind of team well, Brady's first start was in 05 I'm trying to remember do you remember when Brady's first start was in that year Vince I cannot remember I do not uh, I don't You're- I don't it would I mean it, I don't think it was against USC and and that USC team would have been the closest thing they could have played. That that O three USC team. But I don't think that was Brady's first start. I I I'd have to go look that up. That's let's see who was Brady Quinn's Google's a beautiful thing. We'll see if we first start against Notre Dame. We'll see if this we'll see if this comes up or not. Um but yeah, I mean I, I just I mean, gosh, we're we're gonna have to go back and look a long time. You know, and and Myers' first start was in 1990, right? Was, it he, right? Yeah,
1: 93 draft, 94 draft. So yeah,
2: yeah. So because Tony Rice was the starting quarterback in 1989, so his first start would have been against at home against number four Michigan. That was a pretty good Michigan team. They finished, but they they finished seventh, but they finished nine and three. I don't know if I would. I mean, they lost at home to Iowa. They lost at home to Michigan State that year. I'm not putting them in the same league as as. uh I'm not putting them in the same league as as um, Ohio, what, what we expect Ohio State to be. Again, this is all projection of what we expect Ohio State to be. Kevin McDougal's first start was against Northwestern in 1993. So again, I just I don't see Ron Paulus's first start was at Northwestern. I just I don't see a lot of Vince of these. You know, I think Jerry Jackson's first start was what 98, right? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? This this may be it. Jerry's Jackson's first start was actually an upset win over, I believe that was Jerry. Ron Paula started a quarterback in, in 97, right? Did Jerry did Jerry start any games? Because I know Ron had some injuries. Did Jerry start any games before then? I'd be curious about that. Because if Jerry didn't start games before uh he officially took over, like so in '96, he went 10 of 15 in a game in, in for the season. He went eight of 17 the next year. I don't know if he started a game or not. Some others might know. Uh, the answer to that but jerry's first start would have been a home game in 1998 but it was against the defending national champion michigan team that's assuming that was his first start and i don't even know if the answer to that is is correct Uh, but it does look like i mean that that would probably be the closest thing i could find vince Okay. Was 1998, Jerry's Jackson? Because he maybe he started a game in injury replacement, but his first start was against number five Michigan. Now again, Michigan ended up going ten and three that year, uh, but that's probably the closest thing I could find since since that game okay. would be the first one. I'd say that qualifies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. they end up not being a great team, but you know the the defending national champs and all that other yeah. kind of stuff. I think right. it leads to a heightened environment. So there's certainly. Certainly question, no question about that. Very good question. I, I enjoy questions like that. Those are always a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun.
1: Michael Johnson says, any word on Joe Wilkins and Avery Davis?
2: No, nah, I don't expect either of them to be healthy uh, when fall camp starts. I think the hope for Avery is to get him back by the time the season starts. I don't think Joe's going to be... This is 100% pure speculation. I, we haven't been given definitive word, but based on just some of the conversation I've had off the record but then also just knowing what he what injury he had i'd be sub- i'd be shocked if joe wilkins is back when the first game starts shocked so uh, th- avery's more on course for being healthy uh for the first game but i don't think he's 100 percent cleared okay. for everything yet so but i he's he's i'm, I'm more anticip more expectation for him to be healthy uh than the others
1: Mike Callis says, "Obviously, don't know how the injury happened, but do you guys think it could be related to? Oh, he's talking about Mitchell Mitch Evans. Evans, yeah. yeah, to the Under Armour shoe. Under Armour athletes suffer far more lower body injuries than athletes in other brands. I'd like to know where you get your information, and I'm not saying it's wrong. I've like...
2: heard this said before. Okay, I have not. Yeah,
1: mean anything, right?
2: Yeah, I just like Vince. I'm with you. I, I don't have data for that, and." it could be very irresponsible and potentially libelous. Yeah. Uh, Is it libelous or slanderous? I forget which one is which, Uh, but I'm not sure. One of those two. And I don't remember which. Right. Right. So um, it just, it would be, uh, yeah, it would be slander. The libel is written. Slander is verbal Uh, for me to say under armor, you know, quality of cleats create this I I don't have an answer to that I have heard that complaint before and I think part of it is because Notre Dame does have a lot of broken foots foot injuries at Notre Dame Uh, that could be an issue with the practice field it could be an issue with the strength conditioning program it could be an issue with recruiting players that are prone to having broken foot there's a lot of things it could could be I'm not going to get into that conversation I will say this that is always something that a program like Notre Dame should be looking into when they're thinking about those things. So like, hey, Under Armour, we love your clothes, but your cleats suck. So we're going to sign a deal with you for this, but we're going to wear it. We're going to sign a deal with this person for cleats. Maybe they might want to think about something like that because I, I love Under Armour's clothes. I just think you know, there's a there's there is enough there for me to would where if I was in Marcus Freeman's shoes, I would want to ask my medical people yeah, for that there. data. Our data. Absolutely. Uh, That's what I would want. That's what I would want. So I'm not trying to dismiss the question, Mike. I just don't want to say yes or no without data. It's
1: also tough because you could hold it up against another company that uses a different type of shoe, right? A different company, Mm -hmm. but they're not necessarily doing the exact same exercises and the exact (laughs) like what, what? There, there has to be a control, right? If we're doing a science experiment, there has to be a control. You you, you use two different things, but you do the exact same things in them, right? I don't know
2: how – it would be tough. It would be tough to come right. up with that data, I would say. Right, very much. So along those lines, we, we did have a question just pop up kind of along those lines uh, from Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. It says, if we drop
1: Under Armour, uh,
2: we sh- which we which, should. Yeah. There you go.
1: If we drop Under Armour, which we should, who should we go with, in your opinion, and why? I know for sure who I would not go with. I know who you would not go with, but I don't know that. I don't know. That's very interesting. That I don't know who they would go with. I, do you yeah. think the Almighty Dollar would probably be?
2: I would of- hope. I would hope that Notre Dame would have enough concern for the fact that they are a Catholic institution, and knowing what we know about Nike and who makes their gear and their relationship with the country that makes their gear and all those type of things that they would say, Hey, look, this is not okay. And uh, if you're going to take some of the stances you've taken about human rights and things like that, then that's a company you shouldn't be doing business with, in my opinion. Unfortunately, I, I actually think that would be the most likely option if they don't re-sign with Under Armour uh, because it would be about money. I mean, mm-hmm. Nike would love to have Notre Dame. Uh, but for me, I, 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 would rather, I'd rather go back to Adidas. I'd rather go, I would, I would sign with Adidas. I would, I would sign maybe with a shoe company for shoe, cleats and then sign with somebody else for apparel. I mean, honestly, I would, I would do, I would re-sign with Under Armour. I mean, you know,
1: I just. I, see, I don't mind Under Armour as much as there, there's yeah. some material out there for Under Armour. I don't have that. Yeah. I like Under Armour stuff. I do do not like Adidas stuff? That's me personally. I, it just yeah. from, from the actual clothing that you purchase. Like, right. I'm, I realize I'm wearing Adidas shirt. Yeah. Right. Biased. I know, right? Uh, but that's who was sponsoring Notre Dame at the time. So, but yeah. I, from, from. I got it, some
2: Adidas Notre, Dame, dear. Notre yeah, Dame
1: gear. we all should. I mean, it's, you know. But as I order gear for my teams, and like I'm talking coaches gear and players and all of that. Adidas is pretty much the low rung for me. I, I'm not yeah. a fan of it. No. The fit, the feel, I don't like it. So that and that's me. That's my opinion. That is not the opinion of Irish Break. My wife
2: loves Adidas, but she's also a soccer player. And a lot of stuff she wore was Adidas. Yeah. I mean, Facebook that's events. right. Yeah. You know, um I was a Nike guy when I was young because I didn't think about things like oh, and, yeah, exactly. forced labor being used to buy the shoes and things and, like that. The yeah. players love Nike. Right. because they don't think about that stuff either
1: i'm saying they love
2: nike so you know there you go right and but i just i can't i can't i I haven't bought a a thing from nike in a long time nor would i ever uh and i just wouldn't wear notre dame gear i I mean i don't wear notre dame gears on shows but i wear notre dame gear around vince you know i'm always wearing notre dame gear i would not wear anything new notre dame gear if they went with nike And it would be very disappointing, but I feel that they're gonna. The worst thing is if they went with the jump man thing; that would just disgust me. Why? Why is there a basketball player on your football uniform? I I think that's stupid. I would absolutely hate that. Yeah, and some somebody said that you know the players don't care. I know, but but you're again you're you're not just a normal state school. You're a Catholic institution. You should make them aware of why they shouldn't do that. But unfortunately in our country, we don't care about that kind of stuff. As long as our shoes, and here's the thing that's stupid about it. The whole point of using labor from another country is to reduce cost, but Nike stuff is freaking expensive. So you have no excuse to not have it made here in my opinion, because it's already freaking expensive. It's not, it's not for the consumer. It's so that you can maximize your bottom line and I'm not okay with um, you, you using, you know, people that are forced into slave labor to make my gear just because I can have a cool looking shirt hard pass way, for
1: me. What I sent you in your email this, uh, this afternoon, yeah. which I don't mm-hmm. think you've looked at yet.
2: It's mm-hmm. not Nike. Okay. So I don't want that to, uh, okay.
1: Be your opinion.
2: I'll, I'll take a look at it. I'll take a look at it. I have not opened it yet. Okay. Now I'm interested. I'm going to know what you sent me. You <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, okay. I see you for your unis. Okay. Yeah. Good Good job. Possible. Good job. Forms, yeah, yeah, good job. All right, so uh, somebody's, somebody said maybe sketchers <laughs> can get into the college game. Hey, they'd have an in they got Joe Montana, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Uh, Christopher Morgan said, Let's try Puma for shoes. Thoughts <laughs> is that still a thing?
1: I, it's, it, I, maybe is I'm
2: Reebok not, still a thing, I don't think so, but I don't, I haven't seen yeah. anything. I mean, dude, I wear New Balance shoes, man, like I've turned to that old guy because they're just comfortable. You know, let's rock some new balances. I,
1: I honestly, you know? I wear whatever my uh, rep has laying around.
2: He's like, Here, have a pair of shoes. That, mm-hmm. those are my shoes. Like, that's yeah. what I wear. So, yeah, yep. yeah. I'm, uh, and I, I mean, I kind of think you got to be careful about signing with just one company too, because agree. Some like, I think that's the thing with Under Armour, is I do think they make a really quality shirt, uh, you know, like. I was, I got in on Under Armour on the, the ground level because they were just launched. They were really new when I was in college. They were a, a, Mar- a, co- a Maryland company and I had heard about them because they make, because I hated having like, you'd have like, just like a shirt like this and I'd have to cut sleeves off and they'd be like so soaking and, and heavy after practice. And then Under Armour came along with that, that, that stuff that they had. And I was like, man, this is, I can it dig cool. this. Yeah. I, I, Really? And it, but it was just under gear because again, under armor, it was made for like athletes yeah. to wear under. And then of course they branched out into of course, a yeah. million other things, but I think they make good clothes. I enjoy their shirts and their sweats right. and shorts. Yeah. I just, I've heard the shoes suck and that's, you know. I don't think I've ever worn, I've never worn under armor shoes. I can only say I've heard because I, yeah. my wife has, and they, they, they kind of fell apart kind of easily. Yeah, you know, because like you remember BK Knights, British Knights, remember those? It was mentioned that in the chat. Yeah, I bought it. Man, I thought those were like the sweetest looking shoes. <laughs> they gave them away and, on uh, Nickelodeon or one of those. Yeah. You know, give those away. Yeah, yeah. But, so yeah. I, I, I finally got my because they were kind of expensive. I got my mom to buy me a pair of British Knights, and they looked so sweet. But man, they like unraveled like in a month. Like the stitching went on. I mean, they were the cheapest crap shoes ever. Man, <laughs> they look sweet. <laughs> you know um but, so I I don't think British Knights uh, is the, is going to be the move.
1: So uh yeah double yeah. dare right man Jose Ferrando yeah. said double dare that's right man they okay. give these away. Yeah
2: yep <laughs> I remember yep I remember that. Let's get back on track here we got some right, got some, some good questions. Good. Yeah that's that's good yeah that's that really good. good. Uh all right let's uh got one from Archer 442 oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, our resident Ohio State fan. Yes, you will always be known as that. Which position is the deepest in 22 and which can least afford an injury? So both both ends of the spectrum here.
2: Which well, position is the deepest in 2022? I think Notre Dame is deepest, Vince, along both lines. I mean, how many teams can say they have eight guys coming back on the offensive line that have started games? In college, That's true. You've also then got a, a five-man, really talented freshman class. a Couple of those guys could play early on if need be. I think Billy Shrouth could play as a freshman if you needed him to. Sure. I think Ty Chan physically could play as a freshman if you needed him to.
1: I, I think, and I think the answer of defensive line has been the answer for a while. For yeah,
2: years, to be honest, I think I think that is true. I would say that that position is is still pretty deep. I don't think it's quite as deep as it was a couple years ago, because sure. I think they've come up short in numbers. Like they ended, they only have like what two offensive defensive linemen left on the on the board from two years ago, because Devin Newpower moved uh, to linebacker, then transferred, and then Will Schweitzer has also moved to linebacker. So you only have Jason Onye and and uh, and uh, Rubio. So you have no ends from that class left. And then you got four last year. So I'd say deep, but it's still deep. It's just maybe not quite as deep with proven players as it was. But, yeah, I think the defensive line and offensive line are are the two deepest. Which position can at least afford an injury? I think there's two answers to this, Vince.
1: I think it's wide receiver and running
2: back. Well, yeah, I think there's an answer from the standpoint of numbers, Mm -hmm. and the answer would be what you said. I think the the, big, the the player whose loss would hurt the most, I would have to say is Michael Mayer yeah because of the because of the part because of the first answer yeah right I mean part of the thing with what helps you with the depth of receivers you have a stud tight end and a deep tight end room, you lose your dude and that would be da- very very damaging. Sure. I think the other position for me that I would say is a little bit of a concern for me from an injury standpoint is linebacker and not so much overall but just will. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just losing Maris would be crucial. But then again, you've got like Prince Collie, and you could make JD Bertrand back. But like, what he he just brings a unique ability that others can't. Yeah. And you know, somebody said can't afford an injury quarterback. That was going to be my kind of my final one. But yeah. to me, that's that's different though. That's the one where I don't think you can compete for a title if this doesn't happen if right. he gets hurt. But as I said, if Drew Pine is your starting quarterback for twelve games this year, I still think Notre Dame's a ten two team. Mm-hmm. I I do. I, I have a lot more faith in Drew Pine. Now I just don't think Drew Pine's that guy that can gonna get you the title. He's not he's gonna well Stetson Bennett. Yeah, but look at the team Stetson Bennett had around him. Exactly. Notre Dame's got a great roster. It's not that right. yet. You know what I mean? And that's the that's the key for me. And you know, that's why I'd say that would be my final one. But yes, right. as far we're just talking about depth vents, it's it's to it's yours. It's yeah. pick one running right. and I would say receiver. Uh, more so than running back because I feel like running back you've kind of already gone through injuries and you can't afford another one right you could kind of say that about receiver but I'm more looking at injuries that happened this offseason Avery Davis is one that was from last year that he should be back from whereas the running back injuries are going to affect you in 2022 the only receiver injury right now that's going to affect them in 2022 in my opinion is Joe Wilkins right Avery should be back so I, I would say receiver for me is you can't afford to have another receiver injury in my in my opinion, I'll answer this one quickly, Vince. If you want to just read okay, that go. one,
1: Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. Anything time frame you can release on the top five QB John Garcia mentioned yesterday, which actually was two days ago. But mm-hmm.
2: yes. uh, no, I, there's going to be no time frame for that. We're not going to release that. Uh, I, I'll I'll just say this because people keep wanting to figure out who it is. Mm-hmm. It's not the circumstance and the player. It's not someone. The name's going to go after. It, so. Right it's not even worth discussing. It it has nothing to do with Notre Dame. It's not something they're going to get in on. I mean, I believe all five top quarterbacks are committed. So if they were open to being flipped, it would either be NIL related or Mm -hmm. playing time related. And Notre Dame is not going to offer either one of those by Notre Dame. So, right. So it's just not going to, it's not going to be, it's just not going to be something that, that we need to concern ourselves with. And we won't release that name. That's that's John's information to release. If John right. wants to release it, he can release it. If not, it's it's not it's not our place to say. But it is very interesting for sure. We
1: are not Marshall, Brian and Vince. BKPTSD number four hundred and sixty-seven thinning numbers at tight end, wide receiver, and running back. How does the staff keep Buckner from pressing and trying to do too much this season?
2: I just I think you still have Michael Mayer. You know that's the deal. Michael Mayer's still there. Talent. Yeah, you still have Lorenzo that's- Styles. Yeah. yeah, you still have Braden Lindsey. You're going to have Avery Davis. Like, look, I know they're thinning, but they're thinning in regards to what's behind the starters. If you just look at who Notre Dame is going to put on the field in their starting lineup, Tyler Buckner does not have to feel like I got to carry this thing. That also, but that is part of why I mentioned earlier about losing Michael Mayer. It's kind of like you take. It's like a, you know, Tyler Buckner's that little kid, and you just took his blankie away from him for the first time. Right. You know, you're not going to handle that real well. And you know, it's just another reason why I don't think he can he can be that way. So, um yeah, I just I don't I I just don't think they're at the point now where that's going to be a problem for him. Right. Just they're just not there. Yet. Now, could they could get there, but they're they're just not there yet. We have a couple more super chats here from ICURN. Do you feel like oh, – thank you, by, by the way, for the super
1: chat. Do and for the next like one. Kane Barong has a better feel for being just a football player since they are similar from an athletic standpoint.
2: Comparing him to Tommy Tremble, Yeah, I don't think Tommy Tremble was a super instinctive football player. Right, I think right. Tommy Tremble was an elite athlete and a physical kid. I don't think he was a natural football player. So, yes, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Very good observation. Another one. Man,
1: he's just. He's flying the friendly skies and just feeling really good right now. Thank you very, 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 very much. I see you. Says, Brian, if Hunter Spears stays healthy. Stayed. His career's Stayed, yeah. I thought so. I was like, it says stay. Uh, If he had stayed healthy, are you as high on his potential as you and I both are on Mills? Or is Mills' potential
2: way higher? I loved Hunter Spears coming out of high school. They were I, – I think he was really good. He was really athletic, really dominant. I, I had he, I had him as a five-star kid. I think I had him as, like, the number four player in that class. I thought yeah. Hunter Spears could have been a dude. Yeah. Riley Mills is very similar, very similar. And I would argue a little higher upside, yes, I would. I think Riley Mills has a ton of upside. Now, I don't know if he's going to fully tap into it all. We'll find out. But, yes, I – I, I think it's very similar. Now they were different. Hunter Spears is going to be a 300 plus pound interior player. Whereas Riley Mills is, is more of an edge guy that could play some three techniques. So they're different players, but in just, just comparing their ceilings. Yes. And also Hunter Spears staying healthy would have kept him on the defensive line. Cause obviously I'm talking about a guy as a defensive lineman who played offensive line at Notre Dame, they moved him to the offensive line. I still think that was a mistake. But a big reason for that was is because the final injury he suffered in high school, he apparently sapped him of his quickness and explosiveness, and that's why he ended up moving to offensive line. But if if Notre Dame would have got the kid that I saw in high school, yeah. that was a dude. Right. A dude, in my opinion. He just – like you said, though, Vince, he, that's a guy that had injury problems. He had multiple injuries in high school. It wasn't just one. He had multiple injuries in high school. And uh, he just was never able to stay healthy. But, man, he was a good football player, dude. Before he got hurt, he was a really – Really good football player. Yeah, salty Virginia Peanuts question. If the great
1: one, Jaden Greathouse, commits tomorrow and is a seven-on-seven teammate of Austin Novosad, is this timing likely to influence Novosad's commitment decision?
2: Will it influence it? Yes. Will it influence it to the point where he ultimately picks Notre Dame? That I'm not as confident in. I'll say this. If he picks Notre Dame, if, if, if Jaden Greathouse commits Notre Dame, and if Austin Novasat eventually commits Notre Dame, and and I'm not saying that, then I then then I think Jaden the the combination of Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James because they were both his high school teammate or seven or seven teammates, I think those would play a big role in him picking Notre Dame. That confidence level because if he's going to pick Notre Dame, it would be over the next month most likely before
1: because he's I, I think he's actually said he wants to get this taken care right, of right
2: which means he'd have to schedule a visit to Notre Dame at the end of this month right the relationship with the Notre Dame coaching staff is not going to be the same as it is with the other coaches uh, those recruiting so you'd have to have something that can overcome that from a relationship standpoint and it, it is Jaden Greenhouse and Braylon James assuming Notre Dame gets Jaden Greenhouse so what would it would if they get him it will influence it but what I'm saying is I don't know if it will be enough to influence him to make that decision if that makes sense. So if it works out that way, Salty, then yes, I do think it will be a big part of them having Braylon James and Jane Greathouse. Uh, But, you know, I just, I, I, right now, if I, like if I was betting right now, I'm not picking Notre Dame. I think they're in the game. I think they have a chance. I think they, you know, they wouldn't have offered him if they didn't have a chance. Right. But I'm just not at the point yet where the relationship is such that I can say, Hey, let's uh, let's, you know, let's do that. Yep. So, here we go. Archer again with another
1: question. Thanks, man. Uh what are the realistic expectations for Tyler Buckner this season over under 3300 yards, over under 28 touchdowns and over under 10 interceptions? We're just talking we're talking passing touchdowns at the 28, Brian. It
2: sounds like he's looking at passing yards. Okay. Um the passing yards, boy. That's that's a good pick for over under because I think it could potentially be right around that. I'm probably going to go under I'd say under just because for two reasons, I've kind of said like maybe 3000 is a more realistic number unless he just goes off. The reason I say that it's twofold, Vince, is he's going to have more rushing yards than some other quarterbacks. And I do believe Notre Dame is going to have a lot of blowouts this year. I mean, there's some look and this is what I've said. You've got 11 to Ohio State, 10 and three Clemson. 10 and three BYU on your schedule sure. and your combined opponents with those three included is a losing record because there are some garbage teams on your schedule. Navy sucks. did you say UNL, if, yes. if you flopped
1: USC's schedule, then it's a 500. It's
2: barely over 500. Yeah. yeah. Barely over 500. If you go, if they're eight and four instead of four, eight, I mean, there's some teams on the schedule. Now there's some teams like, I think North Carolina is going to be better. BC is not six and six if Phil Dracovic plays the whole year. They're four and two with him as a starter, two and four with him out, right? right? But it's not like they're ten and two, right? I mean, UNLV stinks. Syracuse is not good. I don't think Stanford's going to be that good. Marshall is good for their level. They're not on Notre Dame's level. Cow's not very good. So even though there's some really there's like some really good teams, a couple decent teams, and then a bunch of pfft on mm-hmm. the schedule, and that's just about a professional out analysis I can give about some of these other schedules. Pfft. You know, and so I don't think he's going to play deep because I do think there's merit to get Drew Pine in the game earlier than you normally would get a backup quarterback into the game. Once you get past the – like the first couple games, I'm leaving Tyler Buckner in maybe a, an extra series just because he needs to work. But, like, once you get past BYU, if I'm blowing you and L V out at halftime, I'm taking Tyler out, let Drew run with the first-team offense.
1: Because he, he is going to be taking
2: more hits. I right. mean – You don't want him to Drew needs the work.
1: Last thing I want as a Notre Dame fan is for Tyler Buckner to get hurt when there's no reason for him to be in
2: the game. It's thirty-five to six at halftime. And you know, there's this thing, well, you know, you gotta play him at least part of the third. There's you know, it's one of those old coaching things of you know, you gotta take him. No, if it's halftime and you're up forty two to nothing on UNLV, no starter should play the third quarter. Right. Right. Now it'd be different if it was game two. Again, that's, you know, but when you're getting to that point in the season, just, and then if you, the here's the other thing the earlier you get Drew into a game like that, the earlier you get Steve Angeli into a game like that. Cause then you let Drew run the first team offense and then maybe a couple second team, and then, you know, give Steve Angelli a couple series in the fourth quarter. Right. And so, uh, you know, so that might tamp down his yards. But I, I but again, I also think part of it is he's going to have more running numbers. And I think Notre Dame is going to be a really good running team. So I'd probably go under 3,300, but it would not shock me if Tyler's over because I do think he's going to throw the ball effectively. But I, I would say under 3,300 just for the reasons that I mentioned, just that they're going to have some blowouts and they're going to be a little bit more balanced these other teams. But, you know, 3,000 is probably closer to the number I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at. Um, 28 touchdowns, I'm actually going to go over on that. Wow. Yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna get closer to thirty on that. Okay. Uh, ten interceptions. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under, slightly under, like eight or nine.
1: I'm yeah. I'm under on all three. I think he's gonna be single digits in the interceptions. I, if he gets to ten, I get start to get a little bit worried. Damn. I just think he's gonna have a bunch of rushing touchdowns too, and so I right. want to tear down my it, expectations of through mm-hmm. the air, to be honest. And then that kind of is the same explanation for the thirty three. Right. So I'm taking under on all, but, again, that doesn't mean he's not going to be super successful. I just I, – yeah, I'll say under.
2: I'll say this, Vince. Part of the reason that you just said is accurate, but that's also why I think he's going to get to 30 touchdowns. In this offense, to get to 30-plus touchdowns, you have to have a lot of short touchdown passes.
1: Right, absolutely. And I think
2: teams are going to be so focused on him running the ball and Audra Kessman, he's going to have some two-yard touchdown passes. right. You know, uh, you're going to have some RPO touchdowns. You're going to have some bootlegs where he's just going to throw to a wide open guy, you know, sure. what I mean? so, stuff like that. Uh, I also think the same reason that I'm excited to see, you know, guys like Chris Tyree and guys like that, I think that's going to benefit the pass game as well. I think between Tyree, Lindsay, and Styles, you're going to have some long touchdowns where you didn't have a lot of those long touchdowns in the past. You got some and again, right? it also goes back to you're going to play some teams that you're going to, that are going to be pretty crappy. And uh, you know, because like again, Ian Book threw thirty four touchdowns a couple years ago, right? And a big reason was is because he racked up a lot of touchdowns in like five games. Yeah, he had like nineteen touchdowns in like five games that year. It was it was just it was really kind of kind of nutty. I am gonna pull this up. So he had like he had five touchdown passes against New Mexico, who was two and ten. He had five touchdown passes against Bowling Green, who was uh, three and nine. He had five touchdown passes against Navy who was actually decent that year, but their defense was garbage. And then he had four touchdown passes against Duke and four touchdown passes against Stanford. So that's 15, uh, that's 19, that's 23 touchdowns in five games against team. And, and uh, Duke was five and seven that year. Stanford was four and eight that year. Those were bad teams. Twenty-five touchdown. 23 touchdowns in five games. That means in Notre Dame's other eight games that year, he threw 11 touchdowns yeah you know so I just but I think Notre Dame plays teams like that where Tyler Buckner can have four or five touchdown passes you know because you, it's like because what were the touchdown passes that game he threw a crossing route to break the break to, Bra- to uh, Avery Davidson went for a 50-yard touchdown against New Mexico he threw the crossing route to uh, Javon McKinley who made like eight missed tackles and ran it in for like a 60 yard. T- those don't happen against Georgia. And you know, you know what I mean? And so you'll get some of those in, in games like that too. So that, that also factors into to, to my thoughts, but I mean, if he's under 28, I'm not going to be mad. It's just, I'm just kind of projecting and just kind of feeling good about this one. So yeah, I'm going to go over on that one.
1: Irish Shytown, Brian, if Tyler has a breakout year, which would be awesome because we're probably winning a national championship. How – and goes pro, what does the quarterback room look like? Well, first of all, he can't go pro after this year. He has to wait two years to go pro. Yeah. So that's part of it. Right. He's going to be playing next year no matter what. So after that, the quarterback room looks like potentially Drew Pine still being here. Potentially. It's possible. I don't see it. No. I I would say no. So you've got Steve Angeli, You've got whoever they get in the 23 class, and you've got Carr. Yeah. That, that's who's that's your quarterback room yeah Not a bad quarterback room
2: yeah but it just the, your two most talented players would most likely be younger guys that oh, would yeah. be my only i don't know that would be my that's only the concern whoever yeah.
1: 23 quarterback is and cj Carr are going to be your most talented guys you have one guy with one
2: year in the program and one guy with none now another scenario is perhaps there's a transfer a one-year transfer that they could take to be a bridge between buckner and Carr. Sure. So that way CJ doesn't have to play as a freshman. Like let's say that Angeli and the 23 quarterback just aren't ready yet. Yeah. They could do something like that, you know, and, and, uh, and, and go that route. So that, that would be an interesting one.
1: Benjamin asks, how much do you wait Tyler Buckner break out this season to the new coaching at wide receiver? A lot. Yeah, absolutely. A lot. <laughs> you got no to have somebody, you know, you got yeah. to have somebody be able to get out press coverage. You got you know. to get- who's going to be good at the top of the routes you got you know if you don't have that you've got less options right so that's huge absolutely yeah
2: it's yeah it's it's big time and, and speaking of the quarterback room i thought this would be a good time to bring up this super chat
1: beautiful david flores thank you very much i checked into the show late not sure if it's been mentioned earlier have the irish offered a scholarship to
2: kenny minchi who is a 23 quarterback so uh whenever Kenny Minchie does or doesn't get an offer from Notre Dame. That's his news to break. Uh, So until Kenny announces whether he does or doesn't have a scholarship from Notre Dame, it's really not. It's that's his, that's his news to break. I'll just say this. Notre Dame is, is working on building a relationship with Kenny Minchie. It's about as, as much like they're recruiting him. I'm comfortable saying that completely comfortable saying that. And that's why we've written stories about him, right? Not hiding anything. Uh, regardless of whether or not he gets an offer, I mean, that's on him to break. Because here's the thing. He, he's committed to Pitt, and he's not a kid that's looking to flip. Right. I think he would – I think Notre Dame is a, a very attractive option for him for obvious reasons. But you got to be careful if, if you know, you you announce an offer and then announce interest, and let's say Notre Dame goes in a different direction and gets Austin said then now you've hurt your, your program you've been recruiting players to at Pitt. So, if I was in Kenny's shoes, I wouldn't want to necessarily announce an offer until I knew that Notre Dame was serious about taking me if I were to make the decision to flip. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not giving you information. I'm just saying there's a lot more to this than just kid gets offered. He runs to Twitter with a graphic and says, hey, I have been offered. Yeah. Uh, it's different for him than it is for a tight end saying, hey, thanks for the offer. Right. Uh, so, that's what I would let's say. Bernie is uh, pretty pretty fired up about what he thinks that Notre Dame, Tyler Buckner, is going to do oh, this year.
1: 3,000 yards passing, over 1,000 yards rushing. The Fighting Irish O is going to roll. Go Irish. I think 3,000, absolutely a possibility. 1,000 is going to be a push for me. I don't yeah. think it happens. I think he's maybe.
2: He won't do both of them. He could do one of them. Yeah, He won't do both of them. Getting that high in the rushing. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. Got a super sticker from. Char- oh, actually, a super chat. I didn't see the bottom of that but yes go yeah, ahead vince.
1: thanks charlie weiss's last belt loop appreciate the super chat just want to say great job on the 365 show bd vince question
2: for you i don't follow nd other sports besides football was the hire for
1: baseball smart
2: uh, i what? would say to bring that up tonight with sean
1: styers and i i can speak to the conversation that sean and i had about this particular topic yesterday and they let's just put it this way. They followed the same blueprint that they used to hire Link Jarrett. Okay, they they went to for a Southern coach at a smaller uh, uh, conference who had a lot of success, and it worked last time. Mm-hmm. So I will say that. But he can he can definitely give you more specifics um, to him because he's really kind of dug into his resume and. Uh, we're talking about coach Stifler who, who was announced as Notre Dame's next head coach. Uh, but again, they follow the same path that they used for link Jarrett that they weren't using in the past with, with Mickey Aoki and, and the guys before him. So they followed the new, the new way of hiring a coach at Notre Dame. So hopefully it works out the same. I way.
2: will say this Vince, uh, I don't want to talk about it too much. Uh, cause that's Sean's. We'll talk about it tonight at, uh, well, we got the banner for that, right, Sean, right, Vince? We do. <laughs> uh which that one. We forgot to do, but uh, you know, tuning in tonight to the Ivy Nation Sports Talk, they'll talk about it more. I think it was fascinating. You know, Link Jarrett had good success at, at UNC Greensboro, mm-hmm. uh, which is in the Southern Conference. He uh, finished first in his division, he was there for seven years. He finished first in his division once. Uh coach stiffler, I mean again, good success because about where he went, he went uh, two hundred and fifteen and one sixty-six. In uh, eleven years at VCU, uh, Coach Stifler went 352 and 207. He finished first in that division uh, three times, and advanced to the NCAA tournament three times. Link Jarrett never advanced to the NCAA tournament, right? So, uh, had a lot of success. Now, bigger, better league, right? I mean, that's the thing. He's just in a better league. I'm not saying he's a better coach than Link Jarrett. I'm just saying, like. Like I'm pointing out – I'm backing up Vince's comment about similar philosophy. Here's the other thing. He's about three or four years younger than Link Jarrett was at the same age. about my age? I think he's like – He's 40. 43. Okay, yeah. A older than you. Sorry. Yeah. He just – he turned 43 in April.
1: Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah, and he played at George Mason. He was an assistant coach at George Mason before taking over at VCU. And, and Virginia is a very good state for baseball. Yeah, So it'd be nice if he could get, if he could use some of those connections to start getting some more Virginia kids in here, but which is hard because Virginia and Virginia Tech both have very good baseball programs. Yeah. And you can't go to their same, like, no, you don't, you got to come here to get a good education. Like, uh, bro, I don't even know about the school in Charlottesville. It's pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, they can't take them all, right? So, uh, that'd be, that'd be pretty nice. But yeah, it, uh, it's a good track record. I'm looking forward to hearing what Sean has to say about him tonight. No question about it. Here's a very interesting one.
1: Irish Hightown, town do you think history will show that Coach Freeman is better than Coach Kelly? I, I have a real simple answer for this, and I know we could probably do an entire show on this. My simple answer, if he doesn't win a national championship, then no. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I, I don't think so. And as much as I despise a lot of things about Coach Kelly, he was very successful at Notre Dame doing what he did, he just didn't win a national championship. He didn't get them to win a game in the playoff either. Yeah. I will say that. So if you never if, won a big game Win big games on a consistent basis Win yeah. in the playoff and win a national championship, then absolutely. If you can't get them
2: over the hump, then no, I don't. So I'm going to ask you, Vince. Um, I, yes, you're correct in that. But I think Chi-Town is asking us if we think that's going to happen.
1: Oh, he does say that. Do you think?
2: Right. So you're correct. If he doesn't win a title, he won't be remembered better than Brian Kelly. Uh, I think he'll be more likable than Brian Kelly. I don't think that's a deep enough But do you think history will show that Coach Freeman is better than Coach Kelly? I'm going to say yes. I do. And right. I think it's, it's, not just, it's not just about he's going to get the thing that Marcus Freeman could never get. It goes deeper than that for me. It goes to he's going to be someone who's going to leave a much greater legacy as someone who embraced Notre Dame. As someone who, uh, you know, kind of made Notre Dame's brand stronger because he wasn't someone who spent his entire career talking Notre Dame down, you know, talking about how the things that make Notre Dame unique are hindrances. Like Brian Kelly spent a lot of his career talking down the school he coached at. Absolutely, and and that drove me nuts. Mark Turgeon's <laughs> not going to do that. Like that—that's really what it all comes down to. Too. Right.
1: That's why he did it. He was making right. it before the before he even needed to to be right. In.
2: The other thing is, I, I I think that he's going to be someone who is going to have a greater impact on his players. I don't know how many Notre Dame players are going to look back in twenty years and have the same affection for Brian Kelly that Lou Holtz players have for Lou Holtz. I'd, I'd be shocked if that happens. If from the unless I only talk to the players that didn't like Brian Kelly. Right.
1: You don't think there's going to be a Holtz's heroes type of no? Play? There's gonna be a no. Kelly's kids or something. No. Like that. no.
2: no. Uh, do I think Notre Dame players are going to feel that way about Marcus Freeman in 20 years from now I do Freeman's
1: fellas you can go
2: whatever the name is they're gonna have that they're gonna have former players gonna come back and be like you know have the the coach Freeman impact on on you know what he did in my life and that time and because it's not just football it's that time that I was going through this and coach Freeman was there for me when you know like yeah uh, you know it's 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 those kind of things like I think that's what, what to me is, is, is also part of your legacy. So it all ties in together. And yes, I do believe that he, we will look back and and say that Marcus Freeman was a more successful coach and a better coach at Notre Dame than what Brian Kelly was at Notre Dame. Right. And so, yes, I, um, and of course the recruiting is going to be better.
1: Uh, Salty Virginia Peanuts, how active was Buckner in recruiting the 23 class? If uh, it might not matter for some, but some like the great one will likely play in 23.
2: Not very. That's just not Tyler's thing. He's a pretty quiet kid. Active in it. Yeah, he wasn't super active recruiting the 2021 <laughs> class. That's just not his personality. Uh, I wish he was more like that, but he just he was Now, I'll say this. Tyler was very engaged with those recruits when they were on campus. They met him, they hung around with him, but he's not like, you know, playing video games with them long distance and stuff, you know what I mean? Like it's not that he, his role was more from what I understand, like when they were on campus, showing them around, meeting them, you know, hanging out with them and stuff like that more so than, uh, than um, the other, Mm -hmm. the other aspect of it. So yes, it's a little, little different. Here's an, here's a good one, Vince. Here we go.
1: Irish chi Brian and Vince, who are your top five Notre Dame quarterbacks of all time? I cheated. I already wrote it down.
2: Okay. I, I'm just going to say, I, I never answer a question all time if it's someone I didn't see play. So Brian. I will not have Joe Montana on my list. I will not have Johnny Jack John nope. Hugh, or, you know, Hart. But I will. Bertelli, you know. Absolutely. Tom Clements. You know, I mean, all those. I mean, Lou Samoji's top five list would look so much different than my top five list because he saw those guys play right i did not so uh why don't you go ahead vince and give your top five
1: you want to go five to one or one to five let's go five to one one and i know this one's going to shock some people but i like tommy reese i like play okay. I, I he's kind of an underdog to me uh always played above his head yes he turned the ball over but that's because he thought his arm was his big as his brain basically and you know i got respect for that so
3: Mm -hmm.
1: i like tommy i like tommy as a player i did he's my number five my number four i already talked about him it was it was brandon Wimbush. i love watching him play the game um i wish he had more success it wasn't all his fault but he's my number four my number three is tony rice i have vague memories of him playing and just running all over the field and you know he would also fall into that category of kind of an overachiever and you know when he got the starting job a lot of people didn't think that he deserved it and all of these different things right so and not to men also I will I will also say when I was a kid he was so active in the community and he stayed in the community after college and so he was always at like some school functions and he would be around and you actually got to meet him and things like that and I thought that and who was, is
2: that Vince
1: Rice okay I thought that was really cool. I actually met him when I was a kid. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's my list. Number two is Rick Meyer. He he was my first Notre Dame quarterback crush. There's no question about that. I had a Seattle Seahawks Rick Meyer jersey when he got drafted. Um, I, I love Rick Meyer. He he was my guy back in the day. And then my number one all-time is Brady Quinn. No question so
2: about I that. missed your four because I was putting my list together. I heard recent five. I heard – Tony at three, Meyer at two, and Brady at one. Who's your four? Bush, Wimbush. Okay. So for me, Wimbush would not have been eligible because I just can't put a guy who's a one-year starter. And if I was, I would have gone with Kevin McDougal. Um. So here, just my criteria. We can all use different criteria. Um. So I'm just. So my I'm gonna go five to one. My number five was Rick Meyer. I, I thought Rick was a good college quarterback. I thought Rick played on some great teams, and I felt like my knock on Rick is that. I don't think he was a great fit for the offense. Sure. So that tamped down his production. And he won some big games, but he 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 would all – like that team, and, and, you know, the quarterback gets the, the credit for wins and the, the blame for losses. They had some bad losses that ruined teams that should have won – played for championships. You know, like had a couple losses to Stanford during his career. Uh, just games you're like, man, I just shouldn't have done that. But he was still a great quarterback. Number five, I mean, you know, ninety to ninety-two, they were some really good football teams. Number four, this is going to drive a lot of people nuts, Vince, and they're going to hate it and they're going to disagree with me. I don't care. Jimmy Clausen. I knew you. Were Jimmy Clauson was a phenomenal Fair. quarterback in his last two years at Notre Dame, uh, especially his last year. And I mean, he just he played on bad teams, and and like, he so, said, well, you know, it's win-loss record and all that kind of stuff, and it's because. He played on crap teams, and and honestly, if it wasn't for Jimmy, they would have been way worse than six and six. But it's oh, not, but
1: I, I did. I'm not looking at this as were they any good? Like that's mm-hmm. not how I list together. It's right. the one I liked.
2: Oh, I mean, okay. I'm I'm going for top. To me, means best. So I, I I'm hate, just going for best. Hey, I did not like him as a human. I, I don't this, care about him. I mean, no, I agree with you on that, right? My criteria: right. who are the guys I liked watching, who yeah. are the guys. I okay. want? I'm kind of going with best, and I'm okay. kind of ranked. i like the had the All best right. careers. Would have been on my list if we're yeah. talking. And, and I'll say this: I disliked Jimmy as a person, but take on, I still wa- I'd still I loved watching him play. Okay, I mean because he, he you know it's like he's he was that guy. Jimmy's that guy. You know who Jimmy is in in real life? I kind of joke with it. Jimmy is Vince Vaughn's character in Wedding Crashers. <laughs> He's like, you know, can you throw an interesting, he's like, you know, buddy, I was first team all state. I can put this ball where I want it. Right. Like that was Jimmy in their name. Like, dude, I can, Jimmy, can you make this so I can, I'm Jimmy Claus. I can put this ball wherever I want it. You know what okay. I mean? Like it's now, you know, he was fun to watch play, even though I knew he was not necessarily the most fun person to be around. And, yeah. uh, but he was a tremendous quarterback. My number three is Jarius Jackson. Okay. I, I think Jarius was another guy that, that, His reputation is not what it should be because he did not play on great teams. That wasn't his fault. And I would argue that they were some of the games they won. uh, They won big part because of him. You know, Jarius was a really good football player. Uh, Number, number two for me is Brady Quinn and Brady Quinn's probably my number one favorite. Okay. Uh, So if I was going, going to list your way, he'd be my number one, but he was a great player. But my number one is Tony Rice. And what it all comes down to is Tony was a winner. He, again, if you compare numbers, it's not even close, but it's different eras, different offenses. He ran that offense about as good as you can run that offense. And when you go look at the wins that they had, I mean, Tony Rice had more wins over top 10 teams in two years than I would argue just about every quarterback has had combined since then. I mean, the number of wins that he had over ranked teams was just insane. I mean just insane. I I, I put so in I put it like this Vince. in 1988 Notre Dame went 4-0 against teams that finished the year ranked in the top 10. They went 3-0 against teams that finished the year ranked in the top 5. Think about that. And then the next year, Notre Dame went seven and one against teams that finished the year ranked in the top 25. So, in two years as a starter, Tony Rice went 11 and one against teams that finished in the top 25. And he went seven and one against teams that finished in the top 10. And he went four and one against teams that finished in the top five. He had two wins in his career over number one teams, teams that were ranked number one when they played. He beat Miami in 88, and he beat Colorado when Colorado was number one in 1989. Like, there has never been a bigger winner at Notre Dame in my lifetime. Again, my lifetime, which basically is like mid 80s on in, in regards to guys that I watch. Right. Exactly. right? I mean, the number, I mean, think about 11 and one in two years against opponents that finished mm-hmm. the season ranked. In the top 25, that is absolutely insane. And that 89 team was one of the best teams that I've ever seen. And I still, I still feel like if they don't give up that third and something against third and 40, something against Miami, that that goes down as one of the best two year eras in college football history. Cause I, they would have won a title that year. I mean, they beat the number one team in the country in the orange bowl that year, 21 yeah. to six. It wasn't close. You know what I mean, uh and and you know it was just it was that stinking game at Miami, you know that that really ruined. It. And they they won Miami a title that year by losing to Miami and then beating number one Colorado because if Colorado would have beat Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl, Colorado wins the championship that year. So I, I, I'm i going with, with with number one for for Tony Rice is number one. Right. So I mean th- Vince eleven and one over two years. Oh, well, you get in our top twenty five teams. That's insane. Again, I'm not. Pushing back against yours because right. we different criteria. If we're going off of favorite players, I'm I'm going there. I vaguely remember Rice playing. It, yeah. it was
1: about after he was done and all that. I was, right. I was seven years old. You know, I get they,
2: that. Totally get that. Totally. Is- That's why I don't I don't talk about Steve Burline because I, I I I don't I I mean I remember Steve Burline, but I was eight athlete. when he was a starter at Notre Dame. I don't remember Steve Burline. And somebody asked about Kevin McDouglas again my criteria? You got to be a starter more than one year you just, you do. Cause again, my list wasn't favorites, right? My, Kevin Dougal's in my top five. If we're talking favorite quarterbacks, there's no okay. question about it. I loved Kevin McDougal. Um, I had a very, oh, I'll, I'll explain to you off the air. Uh, my <laughs> awkward, I met Kevin Dougal experience. Okay. Um, but, uh, uh, this mine was kind of top meaning like thinking top being the best. Right. That's where my right. ranking came yeah, from. If, if you were, if I was going to go off my favorites, uh, I would, I would remove Jimmy as my favorites and add uh, probably Kevin McDougal in there if we're just going to go with my favorites. But I was going off of the best, and I just Tony Rice's record is just, I mean, it's uh, it's a little nuts. And and you know, his, his, yeah, he was he was pretty special, he was yeah. a pretty special player in college. All right, so um, uh, and, and somebody asked about Joe Montana, I never saw Joe Montana play right in college. I mean, I was born in 1978. So I'm only going with what I saw in college. I, that's why, I mean, that's why I don't talk about Angelo Bertelli and John Hard, Tom Clements, and all those kind of guys. I just, I never saw them play. Terry Hanratty, I never saw those guys play in college. So I can't, I can't go with you. So, um, yeah. Yeah. The, Kevin McDougal Kevin was my favorite quarterback. I wish Holtz would have let him throw the ball more. I, I agree. Again, favorite, yes, but definitely not, not, uh, not best because, again, he was a one-year starter. I think, you know, he threw, like, what, nine touchdowns that year or something like that. Like, he yeah. didn't throw a ton of stats. So thank you for the super uh, – K. Grant, my man, thank you very, very, yeah. very much for that, very, very much for that. But, I, I, so, Irish town, I do – thank you for that question. I always enjoy those type of things. It's fun. That was At one point
1: during the thing, I'm sure Brian was like, what is he doing? Yeah, I was writing down quarterback names.
2: Like, Yeah, yeah. I was like, dude, pay attention. I'm talking. <laughs> Dude, we're three hours in, Cam.
1: And I, I suck at like coming up with lists like off the top of my head. So it's like I need to sure. write it out and like sure. think of, like when I'm a, when
2: I sure. well, that's what I was doing when you were talking. That's why I didn't know who you said at number four. Yeah, but, right. Right. Well, Vince, are you still talking? <laughs> who who do you have? No, I heard all the others, I just didn't hear you yet at four. So apologies, apologies on you. that. That's oh, all good, man.
1: Tyler uh, almany says, What is the projection from grad transfer Chris Smith? What do you think Al Golden implements to the game plan from watching Ohio State-Oregon film? Uh, or, I'm sorry, Oklahoma State, right, I assume, Oregon film. Uh, they made Ohio State very – no, it was Ohio State. Uh, very unbalanced on offense. See, it's the OSU thing, man. I still got that going from the Fiesta Bowl, yeah. so I apologize for that. But yeah. uh, from, uh, Ohio State-Oregon from the first game last year, they made Ohio State very unbalanced on offense, etc.
2: So start with the Chris Smith, I guess, and then move from there. Well, I think number one, the projection is he's going to give depth. That's the biggest thing. He's going to be a depth player. He's going to, and and, and I mean that complimentary. I mean, he's going to be part of the rotation. I I think in some ways he's going to kind of fill the Howard Cross role, the one that Howard had last year 15, 20 snaps a game, come in, you know, penetrate, play both spots and that kind of thing. He may play a few more snaps, but I think that's the role. Cause I mean, and so what I mean by that is he's not replacing Howard Cross, Howard Cross is replacing. Right. Howard Cross and Jacob Lacey are going to kind of combine to replace Kurt Heinrich's role. And now I think Chris Smith steps into the role they had, especially the Howard Cross role last year. Uh, Maybe the Jacob Lacey role might be a little bit, but that Jacob Lacey kind of might still have that role. Right. Right, right, So, you know, kind of that third D tackle, that third or fourth D tackle that comes in, penetrate, give me 15, 20 snaps a game. I think that'll be the role for him. You know what do I think about what what do I think Al Golden implements the game plan from watching Ohio State Oregon film? They made Ohio State very unbalanced. Number one, I think Ohio State made themselves unbalanced in that game more than anything. I mean, even early, like even early before. So okay, so the what happened was Oregon dominated them in the trenches for the most part, Uh, but that kind of went on. Ohio State forced themselves to be pass heavy that game. I mean, they just they just did. They threw they purposely threw the ball a ton. Part is because you still didn't know what you had necessarily in Travion Henderson. I mean, he did some nice things against Minnesota, but he, he hadn't quite taken over that role completely yet like he did later in the year. Uh, but it just, it, it was, big picture was the same thing. So there's nothing to implement there. It wasn't something schematic per se. It was our D-line is better than your offensive line and we're going to beat you up, which is kind of nuts to say because they, they didn't even have Kayvon Thibodeau in that game. He didn't right? play in that game. He was injured. Never. Yeah, because remember, he was a game time decision. And like well before the game, they was that it
1: was another defensive player that didn't play a linebacker. Well. I think linebacker. Justin Flow, I think is
2: the one who didn't play in that game. Okay. Uh, but I always get him and, and Noah Sewell confused of who didn't play that game. But I'm pretty sure it's Justin Flo didn't play that game. Okay. But they didn't have two of their better front seven guys and still beat Ohio State up in the trenches. And that was a big part of it. But I think part of it was just more Ohio State. I don't think Ryan Day had a ton of faith early in the year in his run game. And so he relied on what was great. And what was great was I have the best receiving core in college football. And I believe that he did. As good as Alabama's one-two was, Ohio State had one, two, and three. And that's what separated it. And and so I just I feel like that was it was partly self-induced, but the other part is they just physically got beat up in the trenches. And I think that's a big reason Coach Stud was let go. Is you cannot be the coach at Ohio State and get your butt whooped in the trenches in your yeah. biggest games. Great. And and if we're being honest, it wasn't just last year. I mean, they got their butts whooped in the trenches in, in 2020 against Bama. I would argue they got their butts whooped a little bit in the trenches at times in, in 2020 against Northwestern. They just out talented Northwestern in the second half. You know, but but that that's not a new thing. They have not had their offensive line has not played great. In recent years, in some big games, and and they've had the talent to play better. That's the issue. They're not playing to their ability, and and I think that's why he's gone and Justin Fry is hired, is uh, is because of that. That's my that's my two cents. Okie doke. Irish Gordian knot. What? What did you say? Irish Gordian knot. No, before that. What? Okie dokie, what?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't even know what I said. Can't hit, hit the rewind button on that one. I I don't know.
2: Okie dokie. We're gonna need to wrap up soon. Vince is getting delirious.
1: <laughs> I can't I can no longer feel the bottom half of the body. <laughs> though, that's part of it. Oh uh, my goodness. Crank up the heat down here. Can yeah. you compare the arm talent and arm strength of Tyler Buckner with Ian Book and Drew Pine?
2: Uh, I don't think it's quite, well, you know, that's, hmm. Arm talent is the best in that group by far. Arm strength, I I need to see more of him to see if his arm is as strong as Ian Book's was, vertically. Right. I think Tyler might have a as, as strong, if not a stronger arm, 15 to in. But Ian threw a really nice, like he could really, I mean, Go back and look to throw. He he had to break Lindsay in 2019 against Navy. That ball went about 60 yards in the air, and he flicked it. Ian actually could throw the ball deep pretty effectively. He just wouldn't, and that was the problem. Uh, when he tried to, I mean, the post route against uh, against Miles Boykin for the win in 2018. I mean, when he actually tried arm- to throw the ball deep, never the thing.
1: Like we yeah. never, said he never. Mm-hmm. Like people
2: would say that he didn't have the arm strength. It's because he yeah. would throw it it's not because he couldn't now he didn't have a cannon but Ian had plenty of arm strength that was not his issue it was an unwillingness to make those throws he
1: wanted to load up he could we've seen it so
2: right I would say arm talent Tyler Buckner one Drew Pine two Ian Book three arm strength Tyler Buckner one on intermediate to short Ian Book one on deep uh, and then the other two, and then Drew Pine's third, and, and that's really the only thing. Drew Pine just doesn't have a big arm. That's the thing that hurts him. He can, he's got, he gets good zip, fifteen to end. But you even saw in the touchdown pass to Brayden Lindsey, it's like a thirty-five yard touchdown pass from the far hash. He had to muscle that thing up to get it there, and and Brayden still had to kind of go up and make a play on it. He just doesn't have a powerful arm, but he's got a lot of other tools that work. But no, that like. Drew Pine is what people thought Ian Book was arm strength wise. Oh, there you go. It's yeah. just Drew Pine has the mind that Ian didn't. Correct. Drew understands the game to me a little better than Ian does. Yeah.
1: And I, I would take Drew over Ian if it, if all things were equal. Right. Agree. Yeah. Irish Hightown. Vince, who do you think will start at wideout? Well, that's very specific. Okay, so I think it's going to be – we're talking game one, right? So I think it's going to be Braden Lindsay. I think it's going to be Lorenzo Styles And – Avery uh, Davis.
2: If he's healthy. That, that would be my – Let's assume vote. he's
1: healthy just he's for the sake of argument. Avery Davis in the slot. Like that. that's absolutely the starting three. If he's not healthy – I think they put Lorenzo in the slot, and then I think you could either see Colsey or Merriweather at the other wide receiver spot. What do you think?
2: Oh, uh, I agree with you. I think I think that based on what I, I won't be shocked. I won't be shocked if Tobias Merriweather starting yeah. this year receiver. Yeah, I'm not predicting it, but I won't be shocked by it. Fair
1: enough, and that's I it. Won't even if Davis is healthy. Yeah. Okay. So who's getting benched,
2: Braden Lindsay? It's not big in bench. I mean, they're going to rotate, move guys. You know, yeah,
3: he's got to start. Yeah. Somebody's not
1: starting. So, I um, mean,
2: because in some games, two of those guys won't start because they're going to be in twelve personnel. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, you know, I, yeah, it, probably Lindsay. And okay. then that way you can kind of max you because here's the problem, with Lindsay. It's kind of what we're going back to in the past. I don't want Braden playing fifty snaps a game. The sooner you start his snap clock. The sooner he reaches the point where you get diminishing returns. Good call. So, if Braden's not a starter per se, I actually think that's better for him. He may not agree with me on this. Oh, he wouldn't agree with you. I wouldn't right. think. Which right. Which I completely understand. Right. But if I can, you know, have him, I, I want Braden fresh in the third. Like he can make some big plays early, but I want Braden having 25 to 30 snaps under his belt early in the fourth quarter when that corner's got 50 snaps under his belt. 60 snaps under his belt, and Braden's fresh, and I'm banging that post route, you know, like – I
1: I feel like Braden Lindsey could be one heck of a sixth man kind of a situation on the line. In basketball, you're referring to. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, not he's not the sixth receiver, but like the first guy off the bench with a spark situation like yeah
2: because but, i think Braden gives you yeah he's that he's because then when you bring him in the game you can bring him in a different spot you can have yeah. him and lorenzo together him and avery davis together you can do things yeah. where him and avery are together with lorenzo backside but i just feel like it also limits his wear and tear because again i just i want Braden fresh yeah and i want him to be able to be a part of the offense where he can do a lot of things i don't want him to be that starter that plays 60 plus snaps a game sure. i just i don't now if he can prove they can handle it and he proved last year he can handle volume Right. But what we didn't see was Braden running by people late in games. Now, part of that was technique and that's going to be better this year because he's finally being coached. But the other thing is I just want him fresh in the fourth quarter. I want him being able to say, Hey, you know, Braden, how you feeling? Braden? I'm feel Good coach. I'm ready to run by this dude. Okay. Let's do it. Late third quarter, early fourth quarter, mid fourth quarter, final drive of the game. I want him being that guy that's stretching and I want him having 35 snaps. I want right. him having 35 snap legs when that play call is being made, not, 60 snap plays, absolutely yep no and it's not that he may not he may be one of their top three receivers but it's kind of like there were years where Kevin McHale was clearly the second best player for the Celtics but they still brought him off the bench to make the rotation work the the way that they did and it's that kind of thing for me Vince all right this is an interesting one I think we're gonna last couple questions here and we're gonna wrap this thing up and get out of here but we got these last couple questions here
1: and Tarnowski says, which do you think will be better this year, the run game or the pass game? Well, it depends on what's your definition
2: of better? Like, us well, say, say, which one plays at the highest level, not so statistically, but which one you say when the game is on the line or they need a play, would you rather have your, you know, you, you have a drive and you've got to win a game with a drive. It's not time sensitive drive because right, you can run your offense. What part of the game are you going to have the most confidence in leaning on? Obviously, the easy answer is, well, you want them both. and all, But let's just assume that one is better than the other. What would your prediction? I mean, for me, it's easy. I think it's going to be the run game.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too. I,
2: just because your quarterback is also a big part of that in this offense.
1: You can be more versatile with the pass game. Like, there's a lot more things you can do. But I think the most dynamic thing is going to be the run game. And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with how good I think the offensive line is going to be. Good, I think Tyler Buckner is going to be mentally making sure he gets the ball into the right person's hands. And I think the running backs can be dynamic as well. So mm-hmm. I will also say the running game, uh, but it's tough because I think, again, like you said, if it's a if it's a drive to win the game, there's a lot of things you can do with the pass game. Right. And I have a lot of faith in Tyler Buckner and the guys he's throwing the ball to, which includes Michael Mayer, all right. American. Right? right. So I have a lot of faith in the pass game. So this is it's kind of a toss up.
2: I uh, think the reason why it's not a toss up for me, Vince, I agree with everything you just said. The reason why it's not a toss up for me is because I think there's Notre Dame is unique this year in that they have a lot of pass game weapons that can also help in the run game. Right. And what I mean by that is let's not forget the first touchdown that Braden Lindsay ever scored, the first two touchdowns Braden Lindsay ever scored were plays that were more run oriented than pass oriented. He scored on a screen pass, which is like a run. It's a catch and run. And then he scored on a reverse. His first two touchdowns. He also had a jet sweep that went for 60 yards. He can impact your run game also. And then you talk about the quarterback, the impact that the quarterback can have in the run game. I think Lorenzo Styles had a jet sweep for 50 some yards. It ended up only being 30 something in the, in the stat line because it got called back from a downfield hold. So I think statistically like 32 yards or something like that, Vince, but he actually completed over 50 on the actual run. So I think you have more kids like that in this offense that can be impactful in the run game. Now, The counter that you could make to that is, yeah, but look what Chris Tyree is going to do in the pass game. Very fair. I just think there's more pass game weapons that can impact the run game that, to me, you can utilize in those instances that makes me go over this. But at the end of the day, when I look at this offensive line, this is an offensive line that I think is going to be really good at running the football. And and that's that's kind of what – that's kind of – you know, where I'm, where I come down on that. And then here, here's, I got one or two left. This is a good one. I like yeah. that.
1: If you could only attend one home game this year, which one would it be now caveat is the BYU game considered a home game?
2: No. Okay. So All I right. think this, this is, and the reason I say this because I think the premise of this question is experiencing Notre Dame campus stadium, like the whole Notre Dame experience watching them play in Navy in B, in Las Vegas, just because they're listed as the home team. To me, it wouldn't count. That's me. Now, Vince, you can take it that way because you can miss, hey, you can watch Notre Dame play and go to Vegas. That you know, may be your thing. I'm going to answer it in regards to a, a true home game at Notre Dame Stadium.
1: That's easy for me, then. If we're, if we're nixing the BYU game and if we were using it, it would be a toss-up. If we're not using it, it's easy. It's November 5th, Clemson. I missed the home game against Clemson last time because of all the restrictions and everything. I... To see that game. I was actually
2: at that game. Oh, you were. I was. Because we only have one person there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vince is still pissed at me about that. I was wondering who kept slashing, like, letting air out of my tires. I was, now I know. Now I know. I wasn't there uh, because he, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's what I'm really Did y'all see that? Did y'all see Vince's face? He got real salty with me on that one. I wasn't at that game. <laughs> Whose fault is that, Brian? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, I think the other reason that's an easier one this year is because there's there's two games to me, Vince, that are great games to see at Notre Dame Stadium. One is your biggest rival, USC, obviously. Sure. The yeah. other's Navy. I would, I, and I've said this before, and Vince, you right. have agreed with me on this. Oh, yeah. I would always encourage Notre Dame fans: you've got to see a Notre Dame Navy game at Notre Dame Stadium once in your life. You have to do it. However, both of those games are away from home this year. Sure. So it's easy to go with what's the biggest game. And it's here's your options. Marshall, Cal, Stanford, UNLV, Boston College, or Navy, or Clemson. Having said that, if you're someone who does not like home, like the cold, then the Cal game is going to be the game for you because that's going to be the green jersey game. There's going to be a lot of excitement on that day. Yeah, yeah, a lot of buzz. A lot, it's, it's, you know, and then of course, anytime it's a home opener, I think those are fun days because it's the tailgating's really happening that game, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'd say if if you don't want to be at a game that could potentially be cold, like the, I mean, the two best home games, Vince, are Clemson and BC. Yes, right. But they play BC two yes. weeks after they play Clemson. That's going to potentially yes. be very cold those two days. Very well be. If you're not someone who likes the cold, then you're going to want to like. I made this dumb move several years ago. <laughs> uh, my dad, I bought my dad a, a really cool big Notre Dame coat. Okay. Well, it's a cool gift, right? Yeah. My dad lives in Virginia beach. Yeah. He's not going to use it. Doesn't use it. So <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get him up for like a November game one year where we can bring the coat with him and wear the coat. Right. Um, you know, so I didn't think ahead on that one, but, uh, you know, so, I mean, BC is a cool game, rivalry game. But I feel like the early season games when there's just a lot of buzz and excitement about the season and all that. Uh, but if if you're okay with the cold, yeah, Clemson's the game. And I, I will also
1: too. say, if you're just going for the experience of Notre Dame and the campus and the tradition and all that, you know, finding an October game, you know, like a Stanford, for example, yeah. like right in the heart of October, you get the leaves changed. Yeah, it's, campus is just beautiful. Yeah,
2: it That's is. Cool. So. It's just that they suck. Absolutely. And that's the only problem. What you're gonna see in the stadium isn't gonna be good, but like yeah. the rounding stuff is still well, going to be good. I guess if you're someone who wants to like here's another angle. I want to make sure that I go when they're gonna win. Well, then you know, UNLV or Stanford would be two good options for that, for that for the words you said, Vince, because you are correct. South, look, there's a lot of times South Bend India, it gets really hot in the summer, it's really cold in the winters. But there are very few places on earth I'd rather be than in this area when it's like mid to late October than on that campus. Now, like where you and I live and like the cornfields are not there anymore. You know, it's like, okay, it's kind of dull, you know, right. But like Notre Dame State, Notre Dame campus in mid to late October, when the leaves are changing, is one of the most beautiful the only other place i'd rather be at that time of year is driving through the mountains of virginia and and west virginia like towards the virginia side where they're more hilly mountains than the big giant mountains because they are all tree covered and yeah. they're orange and yellow and red and it is beautiful it's like charlottesville area it gets like that right but being on campus in notre dame in mid to late october once the leaves have changed vince is absolutely right it is one of the most it, it, it's like that's when you walk on campus and you have your rudy's dad moment Yes. This is the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. True, yeah.
1: it's true. Yeah. And I feel that way. I, I've been to home games every year since 2004, and it never changes like yeah. for me, never, ever, ever yeah. changes.
2: That's one of the reasons I'm still a fan. Yep, no doubt. Those are definitely, uh, definitely th- 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 those are Vince is right. Those are those are good games to get to it because, sure. again, if you if you want it to feel like Notre Dame. Right. Like when right. you think about another name, you think, you know, snowball, the, you know, things like that. And it's definitely it's definitely that there's no doubt. So, Vince, that's going to do it for us today, man. Right. Why don't you go ahead and uh, go ahead and take us out of here?
1: Fantastic. Well, thanks, everybody, for sticking with us uh, for the Daily Mailbag. Really appreciate all of the conversation and the questions that were going on in the chat today. The last
2: couple of r- days has been great conversation in the chat and sticking I- to the topic
1: at hand. Telling yeah, you, it's been fantastic. And our buddy Archer has been like the leader of the conversation over here. It's been awesome. Mm-hmm. So I will give him credit for that. Uh, but thank you everybody for hanging out with us today. Really appreciate it. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, hit that notification bell, and share with your friends and family. And if you're listening on the podcast, give us a five-star review and tune in tonight. IB Nation Sports Talk at six o'clock with Sean Styers. Make sure you tune in for that. What do you got?
2: Tomorrow, our our daily mailbag or our Friday mailbag is going to start at noon.
1: Yes, that's right. So we're going
2: to move the daily mailbag up to noon because yeah. at two o'clock, two o'clock, apparently that didn't, I didn't get a notification today, Vince, for oh, it. Really? Yeah. somebody else they didn't get one either. So yeah. I don't know. What so do. that's a, that's a YouTube problem. That's not, yeah. I mean, that's not on us, Yeah. yeah. but uh, so then two o'clock, we're going to go live to discuss the pending decision of Jaden Greathouse. So we will have two shows tomorrow. We'll have a mailbag for about an hour and a half tomorrow, and then after Jaden Greathouse breakdown, we'll then kind of go back to the mailbag. So you know, just keep that in mind. So if you did not get, if you don't get a noon tomorrow, Eastern is when we'll start our mailbag. It'll just be me and Ryan tomorrow. Vince is uh, getting ready to go on vacation, and uh, then after that, Jaden Greathouse at two o'clock will make his decision. We'll carry that live. If you don't get a question answered tomorrow, bring it back to the Jaden great house commit thing, because once he makes his decision and we discuss it and we do all that, we'll then do a Q and a, which won't, you don't have to focus just on that. So we'll do that in order to kind of make up for the fact that we weren't able to uh, get everyone's questions in. Cause I promise you in an hour and a half, there's, n- we can't get all the questions in nowadays in, in three hours. I know. Right. I know, you know, like yeah. it's three twenty five, and there's questions we're leaving out there, yeah. you know, and it happens every week. So yeah long gone are the days when we said our show's going to go as long as we have questions because it's not possible we would never turn it off no we'd which go we off. love y'all for i
1: mean we yeah. really do oh, fantastic are you yeah. kidding me it's awesome so make sure you guys tune in tonight six o'clock ib nation sports talk tomorrow at noon kind of kicks off many hours of shows so make yeah. sure you that i'm very sad i will not be a part of the friday mailbag because everybody knows it is my favorite day of the week and no I did not get fired by Brian, but I am going to be off next week going on vacation with the family. So pray for me. Pray for me. Extended family all in one house for a week. Uh, But we're supposed to have some fun. So anyway, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Really appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you all on the next time that I am on. But uh, make sure you tune into Irish Breakdown Podcast the next time we are live.